This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. American bond yields remained high and stock markets braced ahead of a meeting of the Federal Reserve, at which central bankers may raise interest rates by as much as 0.75 percentage points to combat stubborn inflation. Investors fear this could push the world economy into recession. On Monday, the S&P 500 fell by 3.9 percent, entering bear market for the first time in more than two years. Ukraine said that its forces were holding out in Severodonetsk, despite the fact that Russia has destroyed the last remaining bridge linking the besieged city to the rest of the Donbas region. More than 500 civilians are said to be trapped inside a chemical factory. Oleksandr Stroyuk, the mayor, said that evacuations were being carried out, quote, every minute when there is a lull. Ukraine's government said it is losing between 100 and 200 soldiers a day in fighting across the country. Abi Ahmed, Ethiopia's prime minister, said that his government had formed a committee to negotiate with separatist forces in Tigray, a northern province. Fighting has blighted the region since November 2020. Hundreds of thousands of people have died in the violence or of starvation. The conflict has eased since the government declared a ceasefire in March. The European Union said it would sign an agreement to procure 110,000 doses of a monkeypox vaccine to be delivered from the end of June, without naming the supplier. The bloc has so far recorded 900 cases of the virus. America's drug regulator has approved a smallpox vaccine made by Bavarian Nordic, a Danish firm, for use against monkeypox. The WHO will convene an emergency committee next week to determine whether the outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern. The first flight carrying asylum seekers from Britain to Rwanda was cancelled within hours of its departure, after the European Court of Human Rights issued last-minute injunctions stopping the deportations. The number of migrants to be deported had already fallen to single digits in recent days. Earlier in the day, Prime Minister Boris Johnson had hinted that Britain might withdraw from the European Convention on Human Rights to prevent it blocking the controversial policy. Russia banned dozens of British journalists and defense officials from entering the country for what it called the, quote, deliberate dissemination of false and one-sided information about its invasion of Ukraine. The list, which bars 49 people, is a retaliation for Western sanctions and follows a similar one last month targeting Americans and Canadians. America's House of Representatives passed a bill extending security protections for the families of Supreme Court justices. The measure, which has yet to be signed into law by President Joe Biden, was introduced in the wake of widespread protests over a leaked draft indicating the court would overturn Roe v. Wade the 1973 ruling that guaranteed the right to an abortion. The bill took on more significance last week when an armed man was arrested near Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home. And fact of the day, 48%, the share of South Africans who think migrants are dishonest. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Fed eyes a jumbo rate rise. As chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell prizes predictability. 
giving investors ample guidance to prepare them for policy changes. But the past few days have been a whirlwind. Before Monday, virtually all bets were on the Fed raising interest rates by half a percentage point on Wednesday at the end of a regular rate-setting meeting. Suddenly, the table had slanted in a more hawkish direction. Markets have now priced in a three-quarter point increase. That larger increment, taking rates to a range between 1.5% and 1.75%, would be the biggest single rise since 1994. The message would be clear. With inflation running at more than 8% year-on-year, the Fed is determined to bring prices under control. History suggests that rapid monetary tightening often precedes a recession. But the Fed knows that runaway inflation would be even worse. China's Economic Loop Economic policymakers sometimes complain that their job is like steering a car by looking in the rearview mirror. The data that guide them reflect the past, not the future. That is less of a problem when the economy is going round in circles. On Wednesday, China is due to publish figures on industrial production, retail sales, and unemployment for May. Shanghai was then under a strict lockdown to contain a COVID-19 outbreak, and other parts of the country were also trammeled by restrictions on free movement and gathering. The figures are likely to be bad, though less bad than the month before. The hope is that China can put this COVID outbreak behind it and stage a rapid recovery. But infections in both Beijing and Shanghai are already raising fears of another lockdown. The worry then is that China's bad economic data will be a guide to the country's future as well as its past. How India Squashes Protest at Home Nupur Sharma A spokesperson for India's governing Bhartiya Janta Party was hardly blazing a trail when she disparaged the Prophet Muhammad on right-wing chat shows last month. Taboos against offending the Muslim minority are falling by the day. A former BJP officeholder campaigning in the state of Uttar Pradesh boasted recently that local Muslims have stopped wearing skullcaps. If you vote for me again, they will start wearing tilak a mark on the forehead worn by many Hindus. But Ms. Sharma overstepped by offending Muslims abroad. Countries in the Gulf led a diplomatic backlash. Eventually, the BJP suspended her. Still, the past week has shown why India's Muslims tend to be quiescent. Police crackdowns against local protesters were fierce. Two were killed, 30 wounded, and 400 arrested. In Uttar Pradesh, activists' homes were demolished. On Monday, Indian Muslim groups asked their followers to suspend further demonstrations. Apple's Labor Fight After years of declining membership, American unions are having a moment. Spurred by a tight labor market, union drives are spreading in the technology and retail industries. In the past six months, an Amazon warehouse in New York City and a Starbucks cafe in Buffalo, New York, have become the first unionized branches in those companies. Apple could be next. Employees at its shops are frustrated about stagnant wages 
and claim that the company's management disregards health and safety. On Wednesday, workers at a shop in Maryland will begin voting on whether to unionize. Apple is not taking to the idea. Like Amazon and Starbucks, it has been campaigning hard against unionization. A shop in Atlanta has already canceled a vote. Even if Maryland workers choose to organize, unions will have a long way to go. There are 217 other Apple stores in America. More TV shows are out and proud. The third and final season of Love, Victor is released on Wednesday. The comedy drama follows an American secondary school pupil as he comes to terms with being gay. The show, a spin-off from Love, Simon, a film about a pupil at risk of being outed, once struggled to find a home. At first, it was intended for release on Disney+, Plus, but was moved to Hulu because of its adult themes. There, it became one of the platform's most binged programs in 2020, and was praised for a less saccharine depiction of LGBT issues than the original. The third season will air on both platforms. LGBT dramas are becoming more popular on big streaming services. In April, Netflix's Heartstopper, based on a web comic, charmed audiences with its portrayal of queer romance at a British all-boys school. First Kill, also on Netflix, hopes to draw on the same success with a tale of a lesbian vampire and a vampire hunter. Fans of Love, Victor will have choices this Pride Month. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which rock star wrote books such as In His Own Right and A Spaniard in the Works? Tuesday. Who was the second longest surviving Indian prime minister to date, surpassed only by her father? Finally, here's your quote of the day from William McPhee, who was born on this day in 1881. If fate means you to lose, give him a good fight anyhow. That's the world in brief from The Economist. Available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.